What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Matthew West Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West. And as always, I really hope you like it. I hope your new year is off to a good start. I hope it's off to a great start. Are you kidding me? It's 2023. I want to be thankful for each and every second and moment and hour and day that God blesses us with. It's a great day to be alive. And uh, I hope you are as fired up as I am to get after it in the year of 2023. Run your race with perseverance, and uh, my prayer and my hope is that each week of this podcast will be just another positive voice pointing you in the right direction, not towards me or any other thing or person pointing you in the right direction, which is to say pointing you in the direction of the author of all stories, the one who has a great plan for your life. His name is Jesus, and he is the answer for your life, for your story, and for our troubled world right now. So that's what my prayer for today and every episode of this podcast is, is pointing you to Jesus and reminding you that there is hope for your story, and his name is Jesus. It's going to be a good show today, and um, first, I want to tell you about my spring tour coming up, the My Story, Your Glory Tour is about to hit the road in mid-February, right after the brand new album, My Story, Your Glory. Double album, by the way. I've never released an album with so many songs, 22 songs to be exact. The first album, My Story, is uh, me doing what I do, telling my story and the stories of people's lives. And then the second album, Your Glory, is my first ever more worship record, and every song is a worshipful response, praising God for how he is at work in the stories of our lives. And so the My Story, Your Glory Tour is going to be kicking off very, very soon, and I want to make sure that you guys get your chance to get tickets. First of all, the album comes out February 17th. You can pre-order the new double album at MatthewS.com. The tour starts the next week. February 23rd, okay? And uh, we're going to, I think, 32 cities across the country. It's going to be epic. We're actually starting in Decatur, Illinois, which is where I went to college, strangely enough. We're going to be in Nebraska, Arkansas, Kentucky, South Carolina, Florida, Alabama, West Virginia, Delaware, Ohio, Texas, Michigan, all the places. Go to MatthewWest.com for tickets. Click on the tour button, and it'll show you everywhere we're going to be. It's going to be so much fun. So the My Story, Your Glory tour. Actually, my buddy Mac Powell from Third Day is a special guest on that tour, going to be joining me as well. So you don't want to miss it, and I wanted to make sure before we dove into today's episode that you knew about the new album, My Story, Your Glory, and the new tour. It's going to be an exciting spring, my friends. Thank you so much in advance for all the support, uh, for all that. Just You guys are the best. A lot of shows they told me are already selling out. So don't delay, my friends. Get your tickets to the My Story, Your Glory tour. Okay, let's dive into today's episode. We are going on a chapter-by-chapter journey together of the book, the latest book, The God Who Stays. Life looks different 
with him by your side. And as I was just praying about how do I want to start this new year with you guys, I felt like that album or the book came out in the fall of last year. And yet at the same time, it felt like a, a really important message for the start of a new year. Just how do we how do we run our race well in 2023? And I think it just starts with the reminder that you're not running alone. <laughs> and so I thought it would be cool. Some of you have already read the book. Some of you have been thinking about it. And maybe you're not much into reading, but uh, this can be a way for you to dive in with me. So grab your copy of The God Who Stays. If you don't have one, you can get one on Amazon or go to thegodwhostays.com and you can order the book however you like to listen. You can also order the audiobook, but read along with me as I read chapter two from The God Who Stays. Let's go right now. Why does God stay? Super dad or shark bait? I remember sitting down at my piano, searching the keys like a prayer. For some reason, I began playing one note on the piano over and over. Nothing fancy, nothing complicated, just one note. Don't overthink it, I thought. Just say something true. I was searching for simple, longing for solid ground. From there, the words and music for a song called The God Who Stays were born. The song was written before the world had considered new realities like social distancing, masking up, or staying in place orders. It was a hymn about the deepest things I believed about God. I didn't realize it at the time, but more than any song I had ever written, those words came out of an aching to get back to the basics of my faith. What is the one chord that brings us all together as believers? What is the one note that everything else is built on? What is the truth of how God really works in our lives? Well, sometimes I feel like I write the songs I need to hear the most. I just didn't realize how much I would need those words until later. It was a longing for simplicity that began with just me at my piano, considering the depth of God's love for me. You're the God who stays. You're the one who runs in my direction when the whole world walks away. You know why that song stood out from all the others I had recently written? Every moment I had to myself those first weeks off the road, I was transported into the backseat of that New Jersey Uber again. And I thought a lot about the joy in my driver, Arthur's heart, his enthusiasm for life, his effervescent love for people, and his passion to learn a second language so that he could talk about his faith. How beautiful was it that he used those car rides to share his testimony with hundreds of people he drove around that big city each week. I had an instrument. He had a cab. We were doing the same work. How many people had he impacted by sharing God's love? Every time I closed my eyes during those weeks, I heard Arthur's voice singing my very own song back to me. You're the God who stands with wide open arms. He knew the truth of the God who stays, and it radiated from his life. Isn't it amazing how God's most beautiful words can come to us in broken English? Isn't it something how God can use strangers to speak to us in a way that we can hear him? I felt like God was whispering to me to come sit down and have a talk. I knew that meeting the cab driver who sang my own song back to me was no accident, just like turning on my TV to find Billy Graham preaching instead of my Cubs playing that long ago day was no accident. And now, with the whole world put in time out for a while, God had my full attention, 
It was hard to see where he was doing good as I scrolled the news apps on my phone or turned on the television. But as I turned my attention toward my own home, I was so grateful that my family was safe and healthy during a time when things were difficult for so many people. All the frivolity in life was was tossed aside in that season. The entire West family, me, my wife, Emily, and our two daughters were home with no school, no practices, no concerts, no church gatherings, nothing to do. Our world had come to a complete standstill. I didn't realize it at the time, but we were living the lines from Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Exodus 14.14 summed it up as well. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I'd read throughout the Bible that God does his best work when we are still. I guess if the psalmist could have written something for our current days, it would have been be quarantined and know that I am God. Back to the blue couch. The words to that song were swirling in my head and calling me back to a spiritual simplicity that I needed. I wanted the intimacy with God that I'd somehow lost, the closeness with Jesus I'd found on the blue couch and in a Billy Graham sermon. That moment that first showed me how much God loved me. I'd embraced the John 3.16-ness of the good news in my parents' basement that day, and it changed my life forever. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That was the moment when God's love was just simple. I didn't know much back then. I just knew I needed Jesus, and I dared to believe that he wanted to be with me. Jesus wanted to be with me. It's like he wanted me to get back to that one simple chord, that one everlasting truth. God was using this time to point out how I had been keeping him at arm's length. I was beginning to realize that I had been missing all of the notes that fill out the depth of God's love. I had proclaimed the truth from stages with excitement and passion, but wasn't really experiencing it in my own personal life. I'd been living like a fitness trainer who couldn't do a push-up. A chef who couldn't scramble an egg. A musician who couldn't play an instrument. I intellectually knew that God loved me, but my heart was missing the song. I had all the information memorized, but I was missing the relationship. Maybe you've been there too at different times in your walk with God. Maybe you are there today. It can be easy to forget the depth of God's love. Sometimes we get wrapped up in the God approval game. After all, the whole world is focused on what we can earn, what we accomplish, or what we deserve, and it is easy to forget God doesn't work that way. God loves us just as we are, not for what we do. I needed that reminder, just like when I sat down at that piano in my studio. I wanted to rediscover the notes that made up the profound chord of God's eternal love for me. I felt like God was wanting to remind me, not just that he stays with me, but why he stays. A walk in the garden. Getting back to the basics for me begins with getting back to the Bible. So I turned to the first chapters of Genesis to read God's love letter to the world. I guess I wanted to start at the creation story where everything was good, just as God had intended it to be. And that is when I noticed something beautiful about God and his relationship with his people. The Bible says in Genesis 3.8 that God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, right before Adam and Eve heard him coming and ran away to hide. Well, something captured my heart in that simple line. I sat back and thought about God taking a walk through the garden. It isn't a verse that I hear preached often, but 
it caught my attention and I read it again. The Bible doesn't say God was out for a walk in the garden for the first time ever. And Adam and Eve didn't seem the least bit surprised to hear God a few steps away when they ran and hid from him. No, as I read it again, it seemed apparent that God had a habit of taking walks in the garden with Adam and Eve. And maybe it was even a daily thing. It made me remember In the Garden, one of the many old hymnal songs that helped me fall in love with gospel music. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. Consider for a minute that the God of the universe, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, came to the garden he created to walk and talk with Adam and Eve. For some reason, that idea made me sit back and think about God's love from a different perspective. It made me think about the people in my life who I go on walks with. They're the people I want to spend time with the most. I think about my walks with Emily. We don't just walk to make sure we get our 10,000 steps in. We talk about life. We work out problems. We communicate. We connect. There's something beautifully personal about taking a walk with someone. There is like in the love. When I was starting out in Nashville, I knocked on doors and sent demos all over town. I'd play or sing anywhere I had the opportunity. I was also getting one rejection after another after another. Until finally I received a call from a label that had asked me to come in and play a few songs for their team. It was the only label that hadn't yet turned me down. I was getting work as a songwriter behind the scenes, writing songs for others to record, but I was beginning to wonder if a record deal of my own just wasn't part of God's plan. I showed up with my guitar and the little hope I still had, prepared to play music and meet the record label's team. I had my game face on. I was focused. I was ready. I had one goal that day, knock them off their feet. I didn't expect to be knocked off my feet. Amid some suits and ties in the audience of executives was a drop-dead gorgeous marketing manager. Stay focused, West, I thought as I strummed the first chords of my opening song. You're here to get a record deal, not a wife. Well, after my audition, she approached me and struck up a conversation. She asked me to hang out a few times, a cookout at the house of the president of the record label, a country music concert at the stadium downtown, stuff like that. The entire time we hung out, I thought it was part of her job description to introduce new artists to the music industry or something. Not once did it dawn on me that we might be on an actual date. There was just no way. She was beautiful and successful. I was an unknown singer with a bad haircut. Think 90s boy band Frosted Tips. It's true. One night, we went for a walk in downtown Franklin, Tennessee, where the conversation was about much more than the music business. We talked about life, our previous relationships. She shared about a recent breakup. She even told me what kind of dog she always wanted and what she would name it someday, a pug named Earl. <laughs> As I drove her home that night after our walk, I said, Emily, I think you're really great. And you've been so kind to show me around town. I hope you find someone who really deserves you. There was a long, awkward silence until she said through a smile, Matthew, what are you talking about? I really like spending time with you. My expression must have indicated I wasn't getting the picture. So she reiterated, I really like you. I was stunned. I explained, I thought being nice to me was part of your job. <laughs> we still laugh about that moment to this day, but I'll never forget that feeling. It was way better than any record deal. I mean, I really liked her. So not only did I get signed by a record label from that one day playing music, but I also met my wife. I always remember how my heart felt when I heard the girl who I thought was way out of my league say, 
I like you. I guess a big part of our love was the like, as in, I liked to hear her talk. I liked being with her. I liked her smile. I liked going on walks with her. And I am thankful that she still feels the same about me after almost 20 years of marriage. I think if love is a chord, then like would be one of the notes. We like the people we love, and so does God. Something about the image of God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden helped me understand how powerful it is that God actually likes to be with us. Maybe we forget that simple note underneath, the reality that God loves us. He really likes us. Sometimes I think it's hard for us to believe that God likes us, especially when we're having a really hard time liking ourselves. He truly likes who we are, though. He likes to hear us talk. He likes to see us smile. He likes to hear us laugh. He likes to be with us. And because he liked being with them, God came walking in the cool of the day toward Adam and Eve. He was on his way to see them. The Bible doesn't say they were out walking toward God. He was definitely moving toward them. When you look through the Bible, it seems that in every story, from creation to Abraham on a mountain to Moses and a burning bush to Elijah after the storm to Mary and Joseph in a dream, from the very beginning of time, God has always been the one coming toward us. And God went to the most extreme lengths to send his son. I've always loved how the message version of John 1:14 describes Jesus as God moving into the neighborhood. God seeks us out. Francis Thompson talks about God's relentless pursuit of humans in his poem, The Hound of Heaven, a concept further explored by J.R.R. Tolkien, G.K. Chesterton, and C.S. Lewis. It's another note in that beautiful chord of God's love for us. He pursues us. Not only does God like our company, but he will also do anything to be with us. And that made me think about the people who I really want to spend time with, so much so that I would go crazy to crazy lengths to be with them, even if it meant facing one of my deepest childhood fears, swimming with sharks. I love my mom and dad, and they were good parents with one small exception. They let me watch the movie Jaws when I was young. For this reason, I grew up with an irrational fear of sharks. I know it's strange for a Chicago kid, a thousand miles from the nearest ocean, to worry about sharks, but I vividly remember as a nine-year-old getting spooked While I was in the swimming pool in my friend's backyard, it's like I could hear that hauntingly famous John Williams tuba music, beginning to play slowly when I went underwater. And I imagined a shark could somehow travel thousands of miles over concrete to get into that pool with me. Don't judge. I know there are people who had that same fear. I grew out of that and can swim fearlessly in suburban pools now, but I'm still afraid of sharks. Needless to say, you know what isn't on my bucket list? Swimming with them. Well, fast forward to being the dad of a teenage daughter. If you've read the Bible story of Daniel and the lion's den, well, I may have a newer version of that story we could call Matthew and the bull's shark reef. But it is also a story that taught me a lot about how far we will go to be with the people we love. My oldest daughter, Lulu, was about to have a big birthday. We go all out for birthdays in our house. I'll tell you more about that later. But this was her 13th, and I wanted it to be so special. Lulu has always wanted me to watch Shark Week with her, and she is super adventurous. So I should have seen it coming when we were sitting around the dinner table, and I told her that I wanted to take her on a weekend trip to celebrate her birthday. She began to talk through some ideas, but then quickly landed on sharks. Dad. 
I really want to go someplace like South Africa and swim with great white sharks. But maybe we could just find a place in Florida to do it. I laughed to myself and thought, with all the confidence in the world, that we would never find a place in America that would let civilians do something so dangerous. Of course, Siri and Alexa and Google were all conveniently available to ruin any chance I had to get out of shark diving. I was able to surprise Lulu by finding a shark cage diving expedition off the coast of Florida. I booked flights, hotels, and reservations. Being lowered into the water with sharks did not sound like my idea of a great time, but I really wanted to spend time with my daughter. And how dangerous could it really be? We were going to be inside a protective cage, right? A few weeks later, I found myself two miles off the coast of Florida on a small boat with a captain, his young assistant, and a few other brave divers. I was a little nervous, but Lulu was so excited, and I was locked in to being super dad for the day. It didn't help calm my nerves that the captain of our little vessel looked just like the one from the first Jaws movie, and he smelled like last night's bottle of scotch, too. Fortunately, there was a large, sturdy-looking cage standing at the back of the boat, as was promised on the website. I was able to stay calm, collected, and even felt a little confident about going underwater with some strong metal bars between me and a shark. We had dropped anchor, and the young assistant began to free dive into the water with crates full of cut-up fish. He was chumming the water. After submerging several times, he swam up and yelled, We have bull sharks! He paused, and he caught his breath. There's about 20 of them down there. Lulu's face broke into this huge smile. Some other people on the boat clapped nervously. I, on the other hand, was discovering the real reason why they call the outfit I was zipping up a wetsuit. I've watched enough Shark Week shows to know all about bull sharks. They're aggressive and unpredictable. I also happen to know that a real live bull shark was probably the inspiration for the movie Jaws. At least we have a cage, I thought to myself. And just as I was clinging for dear life to that small comfort, the captain walked back and threw out a rope that floated 40 feet behind the boat. He turned to us and joyously explained, the water is great today, folks. So we're going to go outside of the cage and swim with the sharks in open water. Lulu might have giggled with excitement, but all I could hear were those words still hanging in the air, making all my dad alarms go off outside of the cage. Six brave, cageless souls climbed into an ocean full of bull sharks with only two clear instructions from the captain. First, we should always keep our eyes on the sharks. Reassuring, right? And second, because we were in the open sea and could easily be carried too far from the boat by the current, we should never, ever let go of the rope. Minutes into this adventure, I looked around and realized that Lulu had somehow become separated from me and was farther out on the line away from the boat. All my dad instincts kicked in. I knew there were 20 unpredictable sharks under us and my daughter was not within my reach. There was no way I was going to be separated from her. Nothing was going to happen to her on my watch. I transformed into Super Dad. I began to slowly work my way down the rope from the boat, but my hands slipped, and the next thing I knew, I was drifting underwater away from everyone. The captain told us to never let go of the rope. I looked down at the sharks swimming below me. I didn't even need the Jaws music. I panicked like that kid in a suburban Chicago pool, and I reached for anything I could to secure myself from drifting away. In one slip, I had transformed from Super Dad to Shark Bait. In my frantic grasping, I found something to hold on to. Well, someone. 
It's that time again when everyone's talking about resolutions and new year, new you plans. Listen, the current you is just fine. No sweeping changes necessary there, but adopting new family routines that strengthen your relationship with Jesus may be exactly the change you need in 2023. You can work on that with Talk About. Talk About is the newest Awana product designed to help you and your kids talk together about the Bible and faith and what it all means as we walk through this life. When you subscribe to Talk About, you get weekly bundles of digital resources in your email with goodies like conversation guides to help you explain scriptures, midweek activity sheets, and even Spotify playlists to go along with the series. Visit talkaboutdiscipleship.com and use code WEST to try Talk About for free. You'll get two free months of resources starting with where it all began, creation. Make this the year that your family focuses on faith. Go to talkaboutdiscipleship.com. I was safe, but as I stopped panicking, I realized that I was now holding on for dear life to the grown man who had been snorkeling next to me. My hands were securely around his waist, and my face was pressed firmly against the backside of his wetsuit. To make matters worse, he began to panic because I was pulling him underwater. What in the world are you doing, he shouted. Holding on to his waist for dear life, all I could say was, I'm so sorry. I am happy to tell you that the only part of me that I lost while shark diving in the open sea was my dignity. I laugh now about my diving adventure as I consider my Heavenly Father's love. I reflect on that trip and the message that I hope it communicated to my Lulu. I want to be with her so much that I would even willingly swim with sharks. I hope she remembers that truth for her whole life. I wasn't out there thrill-seeking. I was there because I love her but also because I love being with her, and I will never forget the urgency I felt when we were separated in the ocean. Honestly, nothing was going to keep me from getting to Lulu. Maybe that's the same kind of urgency God feels when you or I begin to drift away from him. I think God is in super dad mode all the time. And that is another note in the chord of God's love. He will go anywhere and cover any distance to be with you. Is there time for me and God's busy schedule? I've thought recently about how I can easily get so busy running from one meeting to the next, one concert to the next, one songwriting session to the next, that I just don't feel like I have time for people. It seems like being busy is a badge of honor in our current world. Like busyness somehow makes us more important, right? And while I'm thankful to be busy, I also think about the times when my to-do lists get in the way of being with the people I love. If we value our relationships, we must work to make them a priority. I didn't consider it at first, but God's taking the time to walk in the garden demonstrated that kind of commitment. If you think your day is busy, imagine God's schedule. I'm sure he has a lot going on managing the universe, but in that Genesis verse, God was walking to see Adam and Eve like it was a priority for him. My dad makes it a priority to come over to my studio each week to help me host a virtual devotional called Quiet Time on my social media channels. He also makes guest appearances on my podcast and often goes on tour with me. He has always been more than just my dad. He's also my pastor. People ask me from time to time if growing up as a preacher's kid was tough on me. While being part of the family forever seated in the front row pew every Sunday came with its challenges, my dad always made me feel important. No matter what he had going on with his work and ministry, he was never too busy to be my dad. 
But he was like that with everyone. And I think that taught me a lot about God's commitment to me. I remember being jealous about how much my friends wanted to hang out with my dad when I was growing up. Sometimes it could even get a little annoying because I would wonder if my buddies were coming over to hang out with me or my dad. But I didn't realize at the time how unusual it was to have a dad who really made me a priority. He made all my friends feel the same way. It was like they had a second dad. Looking back on those days, I realized that a lot of my buddies were about to become products of broken homes. A lot of them were dealing with some tough issues in their lives. What they weren't getting at home, they were getting from my dad, and I didn't even realize it. Dad is fun to be around, but that wasn't why my friends loved him so much. They simply knew that he wanted to spend time with them. If you were with my dad, he was with you. You had his full attention. What a legacy he has cultivated by simply making people a priority. There was nothing so important in his life that if someone needed him, dad wouldn't drop everything to be with them, just like he'd drop everything to be with me. The truth is that God is the exact same way with us. There is simply nothing on God's schedule or agenda that ever takes precedence over spending time with me. Isn't that something to consider? One time, a young man named Aiden called into my podcast from Canada. He was in sixth grade, and he had tons of positive energy. He said, Matthew West, God is so good to me. He had started five businesses, he said, and was excited to talk about how God had gifted him to be a graphic designer. And he was only in the sixth grade. He had an enthusiasm and excitement about life. The last thing he said made me laugh because it was odd, but very appropriate to the conversation I had been having with God lately. He said, God is so good that he would take the time out of his busy schedule to love us. <laughs> that statement from a young kid reminded me that there's nothing more important to God than being with me. Of course, God stays because you and I are a priority to him. What an incredible truth. It's like the last note in that chord of God's love for us. He walks with me and he talks with me. During the season of being quarantined at home, we began to spend a lot more time together as a family. As God continued to remind me of why he promises to stay with me, I kept thinking about those walks in the garden from the story of Genesis. I thought each day about the reality that walks are what you do with people you love. I was learning that God didn't just love me and he wasn't distant. He was right there and wanting to spend time with me. My family started an evening tradition during lockdown, one that we still do today. Every evening, we began to go on a family walk to get outside in the fresh air and just enjoy each other's company. Those walks are one of the gifts we have held on to from that hard season of life. It's become a way for me to unplug and catch up with Emily and the girls. The weather on our evening walks doesn't always qualify as the cool of the day here in Tennessee, more like in the sweat-drenched humidity of the South. But I wouldn't miss those walks with my family for anything. I love being with them. I love to hear what they have to say. I really love talking to them about their day. I love listening to what they're learning. I love seeing them grow and change. I love those moments where there is nothing but us. And often now, those moments together make me think about what it must have been like for Adam and Eve to go on walks with God in the garden. Did they go every evening? Did God ask them about their day? Did he want to know what they thought of this or that? I bet he did. I think if we just pay closer attention, God is like that with us. I remember another old hymn we used to sing in Dad's church growing up. It was called, I Serve a Risen Savior by A.H. Ackley. 
more popularly known as He Lives, about how Jesus walks and talks with us throughout our life's journeys. Maybe getting back to the truth of the God who stays was just that easy. Maybe rediscovering that one chord that matters, the intimacy with God I was missing, begins with accepting that God doesn't just love me, He really likes me. I want to believe he comes to us every day the same way he did to Adam and Eve. I think we are a priority to him. He likes the way you talk and sing and laugh and cry. He likes your smile. He likes your company. I believe he really likes you. Maybe that is one chord that brings us all together as believers, the notes on which we can build our lives. That's chapter two of my newest book, The God Who Stays. Thanks for reading along with me. Hopefully, you've already gotten your own copy of The God Who Stays. If you haven't, I want to encourage you to uh, go pick up a copy. You can go to thegodwhostays.com, or you can just go straight to Amazon, wherever you like to get your books. There's also an audiobook version where you can read through the whole book start to finish. You can listen to it just like you're hearing these little chapter uh, readings that I'm doing on our weekly podcast. But uh, I hope this is a maybe a great way for you to start your year. I know it's a great way for me to start the year by revisiting the words I felt God inspired me to write. And uh, I don't know if there's a chapter in the book that, that hit me as deep as that one, just uh, giving me all the feels, thinking about my family, thinking about my daughter and the powerful, powerful note in the chords of God's love for us that he likes us. Can I get an amen? So I hope that encourages you. Check out thegodwhostays.com. There's also some really cool resources there as well. All right, it's time for songs from the Story House. The Story House has already been buzzing with new songs in the new year. I've had my friend Ann Wilson over. We've been writing songs. I've had Tasha Layton over writing songs. My friend's Kane. Uh, the list goes on. And uh, very excited to be sharing new songs with you in the new year. And there will come a time for that. But for now, my friends, here in the first month of the new year, I wanted to uh, focus on my current radio single. We featured this song before, but this is going to be the theme, my theme, my mission for 2023 and beyond. This is the cry of my heart. I want to run my race. I want it to be my story for your glory, God. That's my prayer. And I hope this song is your anthem and your prayer as well. It's going to be an exciting season casting the vision of this message and uh, just like I read you know earlier in the show just uh, reading chapter two about the great lengths that God will go to be with us and uh, he calls us to run a race that gives him all the glory so get fired up as we listen to this song from the story house the title cut from my upcoming double album that's coming out February 17th this is my story your glory shame wrong turns written on every page so many parts that were so messed up but i love the part where you showed up rewriting my past rewriting my hurt line by line word by word and now my story is living proof there's not a chapter that you can't use my story your glory my pain your purpose my 
ashamed of the path I took You set me free to be an open book If even my scars are part of your plan Take all of my heart, Lord, here I am My only cause till you call me home Is knowing you more and making you know He's my dad. He gives good advice, and that's why today's final segment of the show is called Dad Vice. Play his theme song, please. He's my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why this segment is called Dad Vice. Hey, Dad. Thanks for joining me at the Story House. It's uh, We're into the new year. We're into 2023. Uh, send us out with some good encouragement on how we can run our race well. All right. I want to talk about fight the good fight. Our key verse, 1 Timothy 6, 12, was Paul's advice and encouragement to young Timothy, who was going to uh, take up the mantle that Paul was leaving him. And Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life in which you were called when you made your good confession. Now, we don't know what challenges uh, the new year will hold any of us. We do know that this new year will hold some battles and trials. And a great example of that just took place last Monday night on Monday Night Football. And Matthew, you're certainly aware of this also. A football player for the Buffalo Bills, DeMar Hamlin, did a tackle and got up and fell backwards. And little did he know that he would be facing the battle of his life. There's a great story all around that and a victory story, but the message is that we never know what battles we're going to face and that we're called on to stand strong. So God gives us two of many things, and I'm going to talk about these two things. First of all, the command is to put on the whole armor of God. Ephesians 6, 10 through 11 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, Put on the full armor of God so that you could take your stand against the devil's schemes. By putting on the armor, you will be able to fight the good fight of faith. It is foolish to think of a soldier going into battle without protection. So we need to make sure that we don't start any day without having the armor on. 
And then the second thing I want to talk about is one piece of that armor. There's six pieces, and I'd encourage you to go to Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 and study that. Uh, take some good time on that this year. The shield of faith. Take up the shield of faith, Ephesians 6, 16, with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. By taking up the shield of faith, you can deflect the attacks of the enemy. Now, here's just a few arrows the enemy may hurl at us in this coming year. He'll come at our feelings. He'll use circumstances, temptation, discouragement, doubt. The bottom line is, is that we need to have the shield of faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. My dad's advice today is to fight the good fight of faith, take up the shield of faith, Take time to study the armor of God and stand strong and in spiritual battles, like I said, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. And then just consider Paul's words in 2 Timothy 4, 7. Remember what he said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 12 to fight the good fight of faith? Here's how Paul, Paul was ending his life. He was sharing and encouraging Timothy to carry on the ministry. He says this to Timothy, Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. May that be our prayer. That's a perfect message to start the new year off. Thanks, Dad. All right, that's our show for today. I want to thank you for listening. Thanks for following along. If you haven't picked up your copy of the book, The God Who Stays, you can do it today. You can go get it wherever you buy your books, Amazon.com. Most people do. If you've read the book and if it's ministered to you at all, would you leave a review at Amazon if that's where you got it? Um, Let other people know and pay it forward. Every time I read a book that ministers to me, I want to pass it on to somebody else. So if you want to do that, go for it. Also want to thank my dad for joining me with Dad Vice. Our ministry is called Pop We, and we have a website at popwe.org. We would love to stay in touch with you there, my friends. All right. At popwe.org, you can send us your story. Tell us what God's doing in your life. You can also sign up to receive a free weekly email devotional straight to your inbox. It's called Day One Devos. And each week is just a few paragraphs, some scriptures pointing you in the direction of the God who can change your life and reminding you that it's your story for his glory. So go to popwe.org today. And if you have a prayer request, you can send it to us as well. We'd love to be praying for you. Again, that's popwe.org. Last but not least, don't forget to get your tickets to the My Story, Your Glory Tour with special guest Mac Powell, taking off February 23rd, one week after the new album releases on February 17th. I know you guys are going to be diving in, listening to the new record, the double album, by the way, 22 songs coming your way. So you'll have a week to learn every song before the tour begins. All right, you guys are the best. Have a great week. Remember, he's the God who stays with you every step of the way. He goes to great lengths to be with you. He loves you. He likes you too. And he has great plans for you. It's your story for his glory. See you next week. Seriously, I, I, I do.